the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm the pastor of the Congregation of St. Thomas the Doubter, an independent ecumenical congregation for all people that embraces holy doubt, the importance of grace, and the power of solidarity in community. You can find out more about our congregation online at www.stthomascongregation.org. This podcast offers the scripture lessons and sermons from our Sunday evening services. In the future, it may also be a place for conversation and discussion on various issues of religion and faith. This is episode 13 and is from the service for June 25, 2023. The scripture lesson is Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 17, and the sermon is entitled, The God Who Hears. We hope you enjoy the episode. Our scripture lesson for tonight comes from the 21st chapter of Genesis, beginning at verse 8, and is as follows. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it's through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot, for she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Excuse me. So there are some distressing things in this story, not the least of which is the presence of a slave woman who is described sort of casually as the slave woman and not mentioned by name by the people to whom she purportedly belongs. The presence of slavery and the fact that no one comments on it or critiques it is distressing, to be sure. Sarah's jealousy over Hagar and her son Ishmael is also somewhat distressing. After all, 
Hagar was Sarah's handmaid, whom Sarah gave to Abraham in order to have a child that she was not able to produce. And yet, now that she has her own son, Isaac, through natural birth, she is jealous of Ishmael or worried that he will supplant or take away Isaac's birthright. Some have looked at this and said that the verb playing, when it says I, she was playing or he was playing with Isaac, that that could mean teasing, but it doesn't seem to warrant the solution that Sarah comes up with. That is distressing. The fact that she asks Abraham to cast her out, to throw her out, is so distressing that even Abraham is distressed by this in the story itself. And that he sends them out, and where do they go? But they wander around the wilderness of Beersheba, which, of course, wilderness in this context is not some lovely forest. It is the desert that they are wandering around in Beersheba in the southern part of Israel. And then, of course, where she has to, where Hagar has to contemplate the death of her own child and breaks down because she cannot bear to even countenance such a thing. There is a lot that is distressing in this story. And yet, even in the midst of what is a very troubling narrative, a very troubling scene to imagine, there are signs that something else is at work. There are signs that something might be happening beneath the surface, perhaps that we can't see at first. The first of these is in just what appears to be an ordinary throwaway line. It says that Abraham got up early in the morning and sent off Hagar and Ishmael with a water skin and some bread. But what goes often overlooked is that the in the Bible, Whenever someone gets up early in the morning, good things happen. When Abraham gets up early in the morning to take his son off to Mount Moriah, where he is to be sacrificed, the story turns out rather well with Isaac being spared and the covenant being reinitiated and all manner of blessing flowing from that. So there's a little bit of a clue here in the text, and on some level, a foretaste of the story that will happen only in the next chapter. Abraham gets up early, and something good happens. We see also in the conclusion of this story, after God's angel has said to Hagar that Ishmael will survive, he will flourish, that his Prayers have been heard, his voice has been heard, that he will become a great nation, which at a minimum means he will have 12 sons, right? And that's how the Bible describes being a nation. You get 12 sons, nine, you become a baseball team. But the 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 promise that Ishmael will have 12 sons, have a nation, and be great and be blessed, for God is with him, is then followed up by a verse that says, that her eyes were opened and she saw a well, as if she had been unable to see a well in their midst. Before this, her eyes were now opened. 
this too feels like a foretaste of Abraham and Isaac's story, where as soon as God says, spare the child, Abraham looks up and there in the thicket is a ram ready to be sacrificed. God's provision is then followed by our vision to see what God has done. But interestingly, the crux of this story hangs less on the things seen or the things promised than the things heard. In this story, interestingly, we are told that Hagar goes off and cries and weeps and prays, and but then it says, God heard the voice of the boy, of the child, which is interesting because at first you might be tempted to think, well, the scribe got something mixed up. Hagar is the one crying here, but clearly this is meant to say that the child, or that, that yes, that the child is also crying on some level. But more to the point, this fulfills a theme. This fulfills actually a kind of promise. See, Ishmael is named Ishmael, which is the Hebrew, Yishma El, which literally means God will hear. So Ishmael is heard by the God whom his own name proclaims is a hearing God. And Shema is a very common Hebrew verb that means to hear, to listen, to attend. It can mean also to obey. But it comes at the beginning of the most famous prayer in Judaism. Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel. And here we are told that it is God who hears. God hears the voice of the child. God hears Hagar's plaintive cry. God lives up to the name that Ishmael has been given, testifying to the God who hears. And so we have provision and vision. We have pronouncement of blessing and future. And we have hearing. Why this is significant is because this is the last we hear, really, of Hagar and Ishmael in the scripture. Their adventures are kind of summed up for us, right? He becomes a great hunter and gets married to an Egyptian woman and has a nation of a family, right? And later on, Abraham's descendants, the brothers, uh, the sons of Jacob, will sell their their child their brother Joseph into the hands of Ishmaelites who will take him down to Egypt the Ishmaelites being the descendants of Ishmael right so the Ishmaelites are become a great people the arabs claim their descent from Ishmael and they trace their lineage to Abraham and have a whole legend about Abraham and Ishmael coming to Mecca to purge the Kaaba of its idols and to establish it as, or to build the Kaaba, I should say, in the first place, 
as a place of worshiping God, which is where that tradition comes from in the Muslim tradition. But in the Jewish scripture, other than references to Ishmaelites here and there, we don't learn any more about Ishmael's life. The focus stays on Abraham and Isaac, and then Isaac's son, Jacob, and then Jacob's children who become the 12 tribes. So on some level, Hagar and Ishmael are a kind of subplot that resolves and then is carried no further. Except that in a powerful way, what this suggests is that it is not only the central characters of the narrative whom God hears. It is not only the central characters of the narrative for whom God provides, changes the vision of, gives provision to with water and food and sons and a future. This is but the first or among the first of the many instances in scripture where it becomes clear that God is busy with other people as well. That it's not just the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. It's not just the Israelites. It's not just the church. It's not just whoever we think the chosen people are. God's busy out there with the people we think of as the side story. God hears them too. God hears the cries of the Ishmaels, not just the Isaacs. God is far more active in far more places with far more people than we are inclined to think. Because we like stories that have main characters and we assume that that's where the power of the story lies, but life isn't really like that. There are no main characters in life. To be honest, we're all kind of bit characters. We're, we're barely the main characters in our own lives sometimes. And it's that recognition that no one monopolizes God's love. No one monopolizes God's favor. No one group, no one people, no one nation, no one country, no one species even really gets to claim privilege before the God who created all of it. Prophets remind us throughout the scriptures, right? Did I not bring Hosea or Amos says to the Israelites, did not, okay, I brought you out of Egypt. Great. Didn't I also bring the Arameans from Kaftor and the Cypriots from, or the Cushites from Kir and all these, don't I just move people around? Don't I just bring people from one place to the other? Don't I provide, aren't they all my children? Ishmael's story tells us, yes, Ishmael, God hears, God hears the voice, not just of those in the main focused on part of the story, but all of us, all of those who call, all of those who cry out, whether they even know the name of the one they're crying out to, God hears. Thank you for listening to this episode of the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. 
For more information about the podcast and our congregation, visit www.stthomascongregation.org. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us again soon. Thank you.